everyone. It's Kelly. And it's Kristen. And this is the Dark Highways podcast. <laughs> I think that's like the first time we were able to do something like that. <laughs> I, we are not good at intros. They're no. awkward. They are. We should just record one and then have it be it for always. Do you know what that recording session is going to be like? It's going to be hours of us. (laughs) (laughs) Hours of us being like, why? Exactly. Just for two seconds of audio. (laughs) That's fair. All right. This is part. Oh, oh, this is part two of the mass history. Um, I know we've taken a bit of height of a hiatus and that's because you know we're humans we're a little stressed we had a lot going on it's hard to transfer audio files back and forth and we had a little bit of a breakdown we're new at this we're learning you know long distance we're we're doing our best doing the tools that we have in this work a day world (laughs) in this work a day world we have a nine to five and then we're trying to do this and it's hard it is hard pray for us because of this little delay, we actually got some more information on the Northampton State Hospital from one of our lovely family members. So I'm going to share that right now before you get going. So our aunt um, sent in an email just saying something else to consider about the Northampton State Hospital is the treatment of the staff of the hospital from the state. So they're obviously technically state workers. And they went on strike at one point due to, you know, them being overworked, underpaid, et cetera. And in order to get their paychecks, the state made them enter a school bus, sign for their paycheck and exit the back of the school bus. There were high ranking local and state executives on the bus that they had to walk past just to get their paycheck. Basically, this was an intimidation tactic to try and end the strike. So there's so fucked up. I know. So it's like, yes, the, the patients were treated horribly, but also, I mean, we have to remember, you know, yeah. these people were overworked and had way too many patients on their hands and were absolutely underpaid, I'm sure. So then she also says that When they closed the hospital, patients that had spent either all or the majority of their lives in the hospital were told they were moving the next day to a community house and they were so distraught that they would commit suicide. The hospital environment was all they knew and they were scared of leaving it. That happened at least once or twice. Bob, which is our aunt's husband. Uh, or how do how do I say that deceased husband. late 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 husband. <laughs> late husband I'm bad um, went to work in the morning unlocked his office door and saw a poor individual who had hung themselves from the fire escape oh. as a result of the news so it's uh, it's sad all the way around so yeah, they just had a tragedy from beginning there. to end yeah the staff were treated horribly the patients were treated horribly. And then unfortunately, when they're like, okay, now the hospital's closing and you can leave because it's all that they knew they're, they were so fearful of leaving that they would rather just take their own lives, which is just a sad, horrible story from start to finish. Oh, 
Also, like, I'm sorry if an intimidation factor was to walk by state officials to get my damn check. That's not a really good one. I'd be like, I don't give a fuck about any of you. No, I would absolutely just be flipping them off. I'd be like, who who are any of these people? I don't care who you are. You look stupid in your suit. You know they were wearing stupid. Oh, yeah. On a fucking school bus. On a school bus. Sir, please. I would honestly purposely twist my ankle getting off that bus and be like, we're comp, we're comp. Yeah, I except for they'd be like, we don't care. You're on strike. Technically, you're not I know, working. Yeah. Um, I would just projectile vomit all over them. I know. I, dude, you know, there's like I, I want to say it's like the Hell's Angels or something like that. They do something similar. Um, not a school bus, but like when people try to leave. Apparently, this is what I've heard from someone like ten years ago, and it stuck with me. It could not even be true, but. I guess when someone tries to leave, they basically like set up this walk called the gauntlet where like you basically get the shit beat out of you. And if you can make it to the end, then you can leave the gang. How stupid. Yeah. And that was basically what getting your paycheck. Like if you can pass us state officials, then you deserve your paycheck. Obviously wearing too much aftershave. You know, they were wearing too much aftershave. Oh God. Yeah. And they're ugly. Judging. They're. I wouldn't even give. I would be like. I don't even know what half of you look like. I know, and And I'm like, sir. I'm working in a mental health facility that's overrun and doesn't have enough staff. Please. Yeah. You think you and your pot belly and your aftershave are going to intimidate me, sir? Yeah. Get over yourself. Yeah. That like grow up. Grow up, bitch. (sighs) Stupid bitch. Um. Bitch. (laughs) So. Now we are on to our last two stops in the story. Uh, It only gets worse from here. So here we go. So starting with Danvers State Hospital, I feel like almost everyone knows this hospital because it's covered a lot on other uh, podcasts, but also it's, I just feel like kind of the more well-known one in Massachusetts. Danvers State Hospital took about four years to complete, and it opened in 1878. Over the years, newer buildings were constructed around the original Kirkbride building, which I feel like everyone can recognize when they see it in pictures. Yeah, and that's like Uh. a prototype model, like the Kirkbride layout, because it's supposed to be the bird's eye view where you can see every every room in a circle, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so most of the buildings on the campus were connected by a labyrinth of tunnels. And actually, a lot of the uh, mental institutions in Massachusetts were um, run on a tunnel based system so they could be self-sufficient in wintertime, which actually makes a lot of sense. So I honestly didn't really understand why they had so many tunnels, but it does make sense, especially for back in the 1800s when they didn't have these heavy duty vehicles where they could get supplies back and forth to during the winter time. So it makes sense to have creepy tunnels going back and forth to buildings. There was a tunnel that ran from a steam slash power generating plant, which still exists to provide service to the Hogan regional center uh, located at the bottom of the hill running up to the hospital, along with tunnels that connected the male and female nurses' homes at the Gray Gables. 
the Bonner Medical Building, machine shops, pump house, and a bunch of other buildings that they had. This place was huge. So the original plan was designed to house about 500 patients uh, with the attic space potentially housing a thousand more. By the late 1930s and 1940s, over 2,000 patients were being housed. So tale as old again, as time. Exactly. Tale as old as time. And overcrowding was pretty severe. People were even held in the basement of Kirkbride. So that just sucks. Yeah. Like, I know that doesn't really sum it up that well, but it sucks. It sucks. So the entire campus closed in 1992, which seems to be like the year. Yeah, these types I of there must have been something that happened that shut all of these places down. Like I know in the 60s uh, with um, JFK and everything like that, there was a big reform, but it's just weird that so many closed in 1992. Yeah, it's like between 92 and 94, everything. Right. Danvers took part in many inhumane practices such as straitjackets, lobotomies, drugs, and shock therapy. In the beginning, Danvers had great success. However, their reputation uh, made them a hot spot for patient care. And like most of these places, the patients began to significantly outnumber the staff. The hospital had employed 125 employees. And there's no record of the hospital staff increasing as the patients increased. Uh, They did beg the state to hire more staff, but this was denied. So it sounds like it was the same thing for Northampton State Hospital as well. Yep. So the The state state initiated a settlement. Weird. That's so weird. That's almost never the case. Like government (laughs) never messes up and treats people poorly. That's odd. So like, think about it this way. So even if... There were 125 people clocked on at all times with the maximum 2000 patients. That's 16 patients per person. And let's say only 75 of those people were medical staff. That's roughly 26 patients per staff member. I can only imagine that they had maybe like 10, 15 doctors on staff. I'm basing this on like my own personal experience working in a doctor's office. So I'm sure like back then the ratio was way off as compared to what it is now. But uh, each doctor would have roughly 200 some on patients in their care. So that's just impossible to keep up with. Yeah. I can imagine that the conditions were as bad as they seemed because listen to this. So much like Belchertown, Patients would be roaming the halls naked, covered in feces, urine, food, vomit. Shock therapy was used to alter their minds, but it was also used as basically a punishment for not behaving. Basically, they just instilled the fear of God into them by shocking them. So it's really not to help their minds at all. It's just to be like, hey, settle the fuck down or else we're going to make your life hell. Something especially awful. Uh, some patients were even put in straight jackets and forgotten about. Sweet. Which sounds like I would... I don't know what I would do, but I don't like the idea of being restrained and not being able to get out. I don't think anyone does. I can't get comfortable in a bed that I share with myself. Yeah. Because I have to like move every 4.5 seconds because I'm uncomfortable. I could not imagine. I would go insane from wanting to move my body. Uh, One time Kelsey was sitting on my sweatshirt when I tried to get up out of bed and 
I had like a panic attack because I couldn't move. <laughs> um, so I just went and it, that was like for two seconds. Uh, so I just wouldn't do well. In 1939, a total of 278 patients died at the hospital that year. Danvers is also known as the birthplace for the pre oh, prefrontal lobotomy. Yes, the prefrontal oh. lobotomy. And this treatment was used quite frequently here. While the procedure did decrease the deaths in the hospital, visitors at the hospital said the lobotomy patients would just be roaming the halls, not speaking, often just staring at the walls in a daze. Oh, geez, I wonder why. They just make your front lobe scrambled eggs. I know, basically. Um, Walter E. Freeman, who was the, what would you call him, lobotomist? I don't know. Uh, performed many of these procedures, and by 1942, he had already performed about 200 lobotomies, which is gross. Isn't that the guy that um, that American Horror Story season was based off of? I think a lot of it was based off of, and actually I'm about to get to this. Uh, So Denver State Hospital was the inspiration for H.P. Lovecraft's Arkham Asylum, as well as American Horror Story Asylum. Um, oh, and I actually, so I'm sorry, HP Lovecraft's Arkham Sanitarium, which inspired Arkham Asylum and Batman. So two different things stemmed from Danvers State Hospital. Uh, and so imagine this, people who are differently abled, um, who suffer from mental health issues were put there. But people like Donald Vitkiss, I don't know if you remember him from the last episode, um, who were just maybe had a little bit of a hard time learning or people who were gay, people who didn't fit into the norm. They were there, too. So. I can't imagine. Being somewhere. Horrible like that and knowing full well how. Awful it is like you have all of your mental faculties with you you don't really need any assistance to get by you don't even have any mental health issues that would require any sort of institutionalization yeah wow okay yeah Uh, that was a word (laughs) but you're there and you're living this fucking nightmare and you're just you're fucking trapped like that well that again not to keep bringing you back to American Horror Story, but I'm pretty sure this is the last one I watched. She was there, right? She, um, Sarah Paulson, wasn't she gay? And yeah, yeah, they put yeah. her in there, or kept her in there for that reason. And so I actually read life, a, basically, yeah, I actually read a Reddit thread where someone was claiming that they're great aunt was actually put there because she was gay. Well, that's the thing. It's that's like, just, we don't want to deal with you. You're different than what society wants. So peace and love. You're going to go in here. Yeah. Like I just can't even fucking imagine. So there's almost 800 buried patients in the nearby cemetery. And many of the stones are just bearing numbers, not names. I can imagine there's more than 800. That seems like a very modest number. But at least those are the ones buried in the nearby cemeteries. Yeah, 800 documented. Yeah, exactly. So 
as many probably know, they did keep the outer facade of the building, but the rest was demolished and is now apartments. And there's actually some creepy stories about Danvers, like random fires will start in the apartments. Um, People will hear noises and stuff like that. So I would go on a limb and say that place is pretty haunted. Uh, I don't know. It has to be like, I probably wouldn't live there. Would I want to like stay there overnight? Like I would house sit for someone I think there. Yeah, for sure. Just because I I see. Yeah, exactly. Like I want to snoop, you know? Um, But no, living there, that's a, that's an I'm all set. I wish again, same as with the Northampton state hospital. I wish they kept Danvers as like a, a point of interest for people to visit and learn about what happened there. Right. Because I think people just really forget what we used to do to people yeah. in those places. And also, like, I just, again, I feel like it's um, covering up what we as a society did to mental health patients and people who were different than us. And I think we could all learn from that. Right. Even just keeping like a portion just for educational purposes. I don't know. So I did read somewhere actually that they do have like some historical things inside the Danvers apartments, but I don't think it's related to the patient care or anything like that. I think it's more like architectural, like, oh, and this is who built this or whatever. Oh, it's not like the public could go in and just view. No, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So now over in Waltham, Massachusetts, uh, lies the Walter E. Fernald School. It was originally a Victorian sanitarium, but it later became the poster child for eugenics. And isn't that lovely? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So this campus is huge. It's on 196 acres with 72 buildings. It's a huge, beautiful campus, and it's actually still standing. So I remember it's right on Trapello Road in Waltham. And I would drive by all the time. And one day I was just like, I'm just going to like drive up the driveway and drive around and just pretend I'm lost if like I get in trouble. Um, And it's like super creepy. And I really wanted to like kind of poke around and everything like that. But, you know, I wasn't brave enough. So there are like still, I think there's still like a medical building in there, but pretty much all the other buildings are dead. Dead as in demolished, as in empty, empty. So one running medical building and then the rest are abandoned buildings. Yep. Okay. Thank you. That's a little clearer. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. No. All the buildings are still standing. Um, So while it's beautiful reading about this absolute shithole, this one it's just so fucking awful. Like they're all pretty fucking awful, but this, I don't know. They just treated people so terribly. So this place had the same issues with capacity. Like the others, the state school mainly catered to quote unquote, feeble minded boys. It had a large population of children with cognitive learning disabilities. And according to the Boston globe, 
uh, more than half the residents there had IQs that were within the normal range. And they were just fucking normal people. The conditions there were absolutely awful. There were roughly 36 children sleeping in each dorm room. Oh, like how? I, I can't even imagine like that. Like that is a literal prison. That's like literally packed like sardines. There were also, of course, reports of physical and sexual abuse by staff members. Um, the Fernald School was the site of the 1946 through 1953 joint experiments by Harvard University and MIT that exposed young male children to tracer doses of radioactive isotopes. Documents obtained in 1994 by the United States Department of Energy revealed the following details. The experiment was conducted in part by a research fellow sponsored by the Quaker Oats Company of all companies. So that you could tell with that hat, that old man, he's oh, a yeah. little evil bastard. You can tell. Yeah. So, you know, just think about that the next time you eat your oats. MIT professor of nutrition, Robert S. Harris, led the experiment, which studied absorption of calcium and iron. The boys were encouraged to join a quote unquote science club, which offered larger portions of food, parties and trips to Boston Red Sox baseball games. The 57 club members ate iron enriched cereals and calcium enriched milk for breakfast. In order to track absorption, several radioactive calcium tracers were given orally or intravenously. Radiation levels in stool and blood samples would serve as dependent variables. In another study, 17 subjects received iron supplement shots containing radioisotopes of iron. Neither the children nor the parents ever gave adequate informed consent for participation in a scientific study. So what bothers me about this too, it has been claimed that the highest dose of radiation that any subject was exposed to was 330 millirem, the equivalent of less than one year's background radiation in Denver. And when I was reading about this, it sounded like, like, they were trying to like downplay it. They're like, oh yeah, we gave them radiation exposure and everything like that. But it wasn't like they weren't seriously affected by it or anything, but like, that's not even, that's not the, the point. point. The yeah. point is you did it without their consent and you gave them a harmful substance <laughs> right. without their without consent. No and without knowing how that would affect them for the rest of their lives. And it, there was this incentive to join the club because they're like, okay, well you can like basically starve or you can get more food by joining this club and see a baseball game and yeah. have a party. So basically put them in horrible conditions, put the, uh, like dangle the carrot in front of them to come over to yeah. what they think is slightly less horrible conditions when really it's just like, Hey, we're going to pump you full of radioactive shit, but here's a cupcake. Yeah, exactly. So. 
1995 class action suit resulted in a 1998 district court decision awarding the victims of a 1.85 million settlement from MIT and Quaker. That's nothing. Though I don't know how Harvard got away with that, but that's nothing. Whatever. No, that that's nothing. And also that's like basically yesterday, 1998. Like, no. So, yeah. So how many individuals is that spread? So what everybody got like 50 bucks. (laughs) And that's the thing. Like, Oh my God. And we really don't even know how many kids were involved in this either. And it's also just so shitty because it's like, not only are you doing this without their consent, but you're also picking the most vulnerable people who really have nothing else. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, fuck it. We'll just experiment on them. It's no well, yeah, obviously because their mindset was, you know, these are, are not people. They're lesser than their whatever exactly. their thought process was. Oh God. Exactly. And something else that they did there as well is they also experimented with sterilization of their patients. So yeah. So they didn't want the patients that they had who were seemingly normal, but I guess people that they did not want in society to breed and to have children. So they sterilized them. So the school also participated in studies of thyroid function in patients with Down syndrome and their parents. The study showed that their iodine metabolism was similar to normal controls. Weird. It's almost like people with Down syndrome are normal people. So it's called a school, but like Belchertown, their classroom was like half of what you would get in a public school. And it didn't attempt to challenge them at all. Some teachers weren't even credentialed as teachers. So I could basically just walk in there and teach a class. That's uh, many. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'd be like, what are we learning about today? Huh? Um Many of the residents who were released realized that they couldn't read or function in society at all, which was much like Belchertown. Well, and the problem there is, so if they get released and go out into the world, people are going to be like, yep, see, you're an idiot. You went at the school, but really society took away their right to learn and function. So it's like they're not given a fighting chance. Right. And then in theory, like the people who then see them out in the world are like, oh, see, told you this person's an idiot. And I'm like, no, if you were kept away from school your whole life, you'd be the same way. Exactly. Butthead. And so, yeah, I got him. Got him. <laughs> uh, the children's visits with the therapists were only really there to help them accept their label as being feeble minded. What's worse is that these boys knew that they were in literal hell. They knew there was something beyond the campus of Fernald and that they weren't stupid. On November 4th, 1957, a full-blown riot broke out in Ward 22. They caused so much destruction that they were able to keep police, fire, and state mental health authorities at bay until late in the evening. Roughly 15 of the rioters were hauled off to Bridgewater State Hospital, where they would stay there for years to come. So Fred Boyce, who was a prisoner in that hellhole, said that the North Building was like a snake pit, just piles and puddles of human waste 
littered the floor. It was everywhere. And the rest of the patients would just be roaming the halls, either half dressed or completely nude. There is a book that goes into Fred Boyce's experience at uh, the Fernald School, and it's called The State Boys Rebellion by Michael D'Antonio. And this goes into his life, and it really sounds very similar to Donald Vitkus's. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I definitely want to. There's also a documentary called Christmas in Purgatory, which is a great name for a documentary, which goes into the conditions at Fernald State School. So that basically sums up Massachusetts shitty history with uh, mental health patients. Isn't that precious? That's fucking bleak. <laughs> it is fucking bleak. That's, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's it's just the like I can hardly I don't do well with human waste. No. Let's just say that. I don't do well. I, like, I have to pick up my dog's poop and I don't no. do well with that. No, me neither. I hold my breath the whole time as I'm doing it and like look away. I know. I'm I like gag. I'm like <laughs> But like I like I go into a porter party and I'm like, ew, nastiness everywhere. I, I would rather imagine- go in the woods or behind an abandoned car than go into a porta potty. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I just I can't imagine having to exist in a place where that's your environment. Like people walking around naked or half nude, covered in food, vomit, feces, sharing a room with 35 other people. No. No. I had to share my nice decent sized apartment with three other people. And I wanted to blow my brains out by the end of the weekend because I felt like I had no space to myself. I can't imagine 35 individuals who some are probably normal functioning human beings. And then some are actually probably have mental health issues. Like that's just chaos. That's awful. No, that is absolutely awful. I can imagine you don't sleep. No, never. And then of course you're going... These places make you insane by the conditions that they put you through. Definitely. And I 1000% understand that they're, they did not have staffing, but I also 1000% understand that these places attracted shitty ass people. Yeah. People on power trips. Yeah. Like I just can't imagine Seeing people who are stuck in a really sh- like shitty, shitty situation and being like, oh, man, I can't wait to fucking treat them like shit today. And the thing is, it's like it's that environment where it attracts shitty power wielding people who just want to feel better about themselves. And then probably also some decent human beings. But those decent human beings are outnumbered. And if they don't follow protocol, then they could lose their paycheck, their livelihood and whatever. So it's like, it just breeds an environment of mistreatment and awful, awful conditions. Well, and I think we all can understand, like, like I've worked in offices where really good workers have quit because really shitty people are buddy buddy with management and things like that. And they make the environment so toxic, but no one else sees it except for lower people. 
And that's gotta be in part of what happens there. Like, I'm sure good people are like, yeah, I want to do good. I want to help these people. And then they get there and they're like, what the fuck? I know. And they can't stay. And they shouldn't like, they shouldn't, you know, subject themselves to horrible awfulness. No, but also at the same time, I don't know. It's just a horrible, vicious cycle in so many different ways. Like the state won't provide more staffing. The staff is awful. Clearly they did no vetting of any kind. No. With who they hired. They didn't care who taught school. So (laughs) why would they care who who they hired? I'm sure any doctors, quote unquote, doctors on staff were like the rejects. Yeah, exactly. Didn't get into medical school. Exactly. So it's just so shitty. I also, I don't like messes and it might just be me like being like crazy, but I think I would really just want to clean uh, yeah. those types of places. Like I don't do well with human waste. No, no, no. I would get, I would get oh, a pressure washer and that hazmat suit pressure washer. Yep. And put like lavender inside the hazmat suit. So that's all I was yeah. smelling the whole time. Exactly. And then just like come back every week. Yeah. It's fucking... But the thing is, it needs to be like every day, every day. Yeah. The power washer once a week, regular routine cleanups every day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It gives me anxiety thinking. Yeah. Thinking about that. Yeah. Oh my God. Puke. No, I don't any sort of, and this is why I could never have kids. That's just hard pass for me. No, I remember one time. I was babysitting a kid and I took him to the bathroom and he pooped on the floor. And I had a really hard time with that. <laughs> and I, I like lost my mind because I was like, not today, Lord, not today. I, so I just, <laughs> I had to pick up my dog, Molly, her poop one time and the, the manufacturer of the bag didn't close the bottom half of the bag. So when I went to pick it up, it just went straight through onto my hand. (laughs) And I almost just stepped right out into traffic because (laughs) my life was over at that point in time. My hand, you know, like when you touch something gross (laughs) and you feel like your hand is infected for like three days afterwards. I'm like, I can't use this hand until it's purified. Exactly. Like I could literally boil my hand in water and then like dip it in rubbing alcohol. And I would still think that it's (laughs) covered in shit because it feels different. Like for me, when I'm like, Oh, I touched something bad. I'm like, this feels like this hand feels different now. It feels contaminated. It doesn't matter what I do. Like this is the hand that touched poop. With, exactly. no, with no protection. Exactly. Like, I, no. And I, I swear to God, you know, I'm freaking out with poop in my hand. But, you know, if any dog owners out there who have to walk their dogs, if anybody sees you leave poop somewhere, you're, you're going to be shunned. So you have to oh, yeah. take care of it. So, like, what am I supposed to do? I have a bag of poop. That's touching my hand. What am I supposed to do? Molly, of course, is like 
trying to bark at everything. She's not making my life easier. I'm trying to wrangle her with one hand. I'm like, she obviously is trying to kill me. She hates me. This dog hates me. And now I have to bare hand this poop over to a trash and then immediately cut off my hand because that's the only way that will solve this. Yeah. And then you're what this just happened to me the other day. There was holes in the poop bag and I got it on my hand and like my neighbors were like, oh, hey, how's it going? I was like, I have poop on my hand. I have poop on my hand. Don't talk to me. And so I ran inside and like like my whole other arm with a poop on it has no use it's a it's a dead arm it's, it's just a dead land at that yeah point. exactly and so like everyone needed to get out of my way and then I like scrubbed my hand and I was like that's not enough no it's never enough no. like I can feel the poop still tingling on my hand long after yeah. it's visibly gone like it's seeped into my skin it's in my bloodstream now it's in my bloodstream and that's that's it that's it's, it's yeah. over for me it's over. That's all she wrote, folks. I'm sorry. She wrote. I honestly, I, I commend like daycare workers and people who work in hospitals, like old folks home, like all that stuff, cleaning up people messes. Ugh, no, I can't. No, just it's on. It's a big no for me. Like, I know like people are like, oh, Kelly, like you're so poor. Like, why don't you just become like an MA or like a, like a nurse or something like that. And I'm like, I would not do well in that position. No, no, I would, I would go as far to say I would do bad. I would do poorly. I would do quite poorly. I would do very poorly. Yeah. That would. Thank you to all the nurses, healthcare workers who have to deal with that. Parents, you know, parents, dude. Good for you, dude. Um, yeah, I guess you love the things, so it's tolerable. But yeah, oof, 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 oof. yeah, uh, yeah. Big shout out to all of you who have to deal with that on a regular basis. People like like plumbers, like all those. Oh, all those jobs. Who have to deal with the septic tanks? I would truly and honestly. Kristen, do you want to, you know, fix the septic tank or do you want to die? Okay, I'll I'll die. I've had a good life. I've experienced yeah. most of the things that I want to. It's time yeah. to go now. It's time. I I know I'm my not time. Not going in that septic tank. I know when I'm unwelcome, and this is <laughs> it's, no. it's basically I, like choose hell or die. I'm like I'll, I'll exactly. Die. I've seen the porter potty guy come and clean out the porter potty, and I'm like. No, that's no. not a job for me. No. Um, but I, they are heroes. They are heroes. Because without them. Like society really stops functioning. They literally would. They literally would. The society and, would go to shit, if you will. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Think about all the rec league soccer games you would go to and go into those porter potties and they would be a biohazard. Think of that. I mean, most of them are anyways, but even more so yeah. of a biohazard. Even more so. So thank a, thank a plumber. Thank a nurse. Those thank a parent. workers. Anyone. People who deal with porta potties We appreciate you. Janitors. Janitors, oh. you have to deal with some Janitors. shit. Oh, sorry. Oh, my god. I remember gosh. when I was in high school, there was a student who wiped their shit on the wall. I know. You see that in public restrooms now. I'm like, what is wrong with you? 
Yeah. What yeah. is wrong with you? Do you do this at your own home? Why would you do it elsewhere? I follow um, some housekeepers on TikTok and sometimes they'll show videos of like the empty apartments they have to clean, like for new people to come in. And holy crap, literally. Like, bless angels on the earth. Angels on earth. They don't get paid enough to deal with people's literal shit. Literal shit. Yeah. No, no. Like, I don't understand how you could look down on a job like that because I could not do that job. No, they're on the highest pedestal person. Exactly. I could clean a somewhat clean house. Yeah, you know I what could I mean? clean like a cluttered house, maybe some trash. Oh, yeah. But if but I go into the bathroom and there's poop on the walls, no. Burn the place to the ground. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Ugh. Yeah. And food messes. Ugh. I, I don't like... Uh, I'm going to get hate for this, but whatever. I've gotten it my whole life. I don't like <laughs> spaghetti. And I, I mean, I don't like noodles. It smells great. I can have a few bites, but it's a texture thing. Blah, blah, blah. Everybody get Mm -hmm. over it. There's more spaghetti and noodles for you. So you're fine. But however, when my chore was to clean the dishes, to wash the dishes, and there was a, this, the smell of a spaghetti sauce pan in the sink makes me want to projectile bomb everywhere. I cannot and will not wash it. I will wash all other dishes. But that there's something about the smell of spaghetti sauce, a little bit of soap and water that has been sitting in there that if I were to go to hell, it would just be (laughs) spaghetti sauce bowls with a little bit of water and a touch of soap everywhere as far as the eye could see. And I'd have to wash them. That would be my hell. I it's like as soon as food is off my plate and anywhere it doesn't belong, I'm like, that is fucking foul. Like there's nothing more foul than looking at your little drain catcher thingy and uh, the leftover food that has fallen from your plates (laughs) and has been soaking in water for days. It it is disgusting. I, I'm very um, attuned to smells, obviously, but I have a garbage disposal and I was like, oh, this smells a little off. And I open it up to like clean it out. No, Kelly, don't look in there. Don't do it. Don't do it. Next time I'm just going to put a ton of like baking soda and lemon down there and just run it for like an hour and hope for the best because it was disgusting. Yeah, no. No. God. Yeah, no. Yeah. So you and I, we wouldn't do well. No, no, we would not. We can hardly function in a regular world. I know. Gosh. Wow. Yeah. But so thank you to all of you who have to deal with everything that we've just discussed. We really appreciate you. Life and society would not function without you. And we applaud you because our two idiot souls are not meant for that. And so we appreciate you and everything that you've done for us. Thank you. Thank you so so much. Um, Um, We also want to announce that for the month of October, we are going to take a long pit stop. And that pit stop is going to be all things Halloween and spooky related. It is our favorite month. Yes. Spooky season. So we are going to try to produce a few more episodes 
And they're all going to be under the theme of Halloween and spooks. And then back in November, we are going to pick up with our road trip through New England with Rhode Island. Yes. So very exciting stuff. Um, So definitely stay tuned for that. And we will be uploading pictures of all of the institutions we've been discussing on our Instagram, Dark Highways Pod. And don't forget to like and subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, And then if you also have a story of your own, feel free to send it over to darkhighwayspod at gmail.com. That is darkhighwayspod at gmail.com. Yes. We've gotten a few. These are our favorites. So send them in. Yes. Very excited. And all of um, like the books and everything like that, all my resources are going to be in the show notes. So you can kind of look more into this stuff yourselves. And yeah, it's been good chatting, guys. It's been lovely chatting. Thank you. And good day. Good day. <laughs>